Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of December 17th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, week 15 of the 2017 NFL season is nearly in the books. And with that said, there was plenty of fun-filled action on tap uh, today. And we're going to start off with the big one in the AFC as home field advantage in the AFC playoffs was on the line as, or potentially on the line at least, as you had the 10-3 and New England Patriots traveling to Western Pennsylvania to take on the 11-2 and Pittsburgh Steelers. And when you think about the Patriots and Steelers, these two teams have met in some very memorable games over the last 20 years. And typically when the Patriots and Steelers get together, there are high stakes, whether it's in the regular season or the postseason. And that was once again the case this afternoon. Now, after New England stopped Pittsburgh on their opening possession, they got the football back and marched down the field on a six-play, 77-yard drive, which was capped off by a one-yard touchdown plunge from running back Rex Burkhead to give New England the early 7 to nothing advantage. Now, Pittsburgh would immediately respond when quarterback uh, Ben Roethlisberger led an eight-play, 69-yard drive that was capped off when he connected with wide receiver Eli Rogers on an 18-yard touchdown pass to not the score at seven apiece. Now, it was 10-10 to late in the first half when the Steelers took the lead to the locker room, when Roethlisberger connected with wide receiver Martavis Bryant on a four-yard touchdown pass to make it 17-10. to And this was big because Steelers all-pro wideout Antonio Brown had to leave this game with a leg injury, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Now, in the second half, uh, New England, as they normally do, they typically defer, and they get the uh, first possession of the second half, and they do what they do best. They march right down the field to score, and they put together a 12-play, 75-yard drive that ate up more than six minutes' worth of game clock, and it culminated when quarterback Tom Brady connected with wide receiver Brandon Cooks on a four-yard touchdown pass to make it 17-16, to as place kicker Steven Gosowski would miss the extra point to leave the score at 17-16. to Now, later in the third quarter, Pittsburgh would be able to extend their lead after a Brady interception, as running back Le'Veon Bell scored on a three-yard touchdown run to make it 24-16 to in favor of 
of the black and gold. And for New England, they did have an opportunity to put this contest away, but the Patriots hung around. And, of course, in typical New England uh, fashion, they were able to make something of it. Now, late in this contest, with just under four minutes left, Guskowski connected on a 46-yard field goal to bring the Patriots within five points at 24-19. to Now, this pass defense was able to step up. They forced a three and out of the Steelers, and they got the football back with just over two minutes left in regulation. And the drive almost ended for the Patriots in a very bad way as Brady nearly threw an interception on the first play. And, of course, typically with a guy like Tom Brady, if you don't take advantage of his mistakes, he will definitely make you pay for it. And on the very next play, he had a big hookup uh, with tight end Rob Gronkowski uh, to uh, bring the Patriots to uh, near near, uh, midfield at the two-minute warning. Right after that, uh, Brady found Gronkowski on a few more big hookups to get the Pats down in the red zone. And then it looked like Pittsburgh, after they called their final timeout, it looked like uh, Pittsburgh was going to let uh, New England score in order to preserve some time. And on the very next play, Deion Lewis scored on an eight-yard touchdown run to make it 25-24. to And then it was a great play call by – Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels you take all your receivers to the left you leave Rob Gronkowski one-on-one lined up with a corner on the right side Tom Brady throws a fade pattern and of course the safety could not get over in time for the successful two-point conversion as New England was now up by the score of 27 to 24 now Pittsburgh got the ball back with just about a minute left and on the first play Roethlisberger was able to connect with uh, rookie wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster on a crossing pattern, and it looked like Juju Smith-Schuster was going to score as he scampered all over the field for a 67-yard run to set uh, Pittsburgh up inside of the New England 10-yard line. Now, on the very next play, the uh, the Steelers rather looked like they took the lead when Big Ben connected with tight end Jesse James for the touchdown. However, the play was reviewed, and I know that some people are going to say that it was controversial as the play was overturned where James's knee was down before the goal line, but this is not college, so it really doesn't matter. But the big part is that since he was a receiver and not a runner, he had to maintain possession as he went to the ground when he broke the plane. That was not the case, and because of that, the call was turned over. Now, on the next play, and it was a heads-up play from uh, Patriots cornerback Malcolm Butler, who's one of the best in the business as far as making instinctive plays. He tackled the Steelers receiver inbounds. Pittsburgh had to, uh, you know, hurry up. They could not, you know, huddle, and it looked like Big Ben was going to, you know, spike the ball. It was a fake spike. He went for the slant pattern to, or slant pass rather, to Eli Rogers. It was tipped, and it fell into the hands of Patriots defensive back Deron Harmon, who took a knee in the end zone with five seconds left to preserve the 27-24 victory for New England. And you look inside of the numbers of this contest, it was not pretty from New England, but, you know, at some point, you know, like I always say, pretty really doesn't matter. They were only three of nine on third down while Pittsburgh was 10 of 16. Pittsburgh had the ball today for more than 35 minutes. They also had more than 400 yards 
worth of total offense versus this Pats event, but it really did not matter. You look inside the quarterbacks as Tom Brady was, he wasn't his best all day, but he was his best when it counted the most. And he was 22 of 35 for 298 with one TD and one pick while he was sacked twice, while Big Ben was 22 of 30 for 281 yards and two TDs and a pick, and he was sacked twice. Now, Le'Veon Bell did have a big afternoon as he had 114 yards on 24 carries. While the stars really shined in this game, I talked about Big Ben, I talked about uh, Tom Brady, I talked about Le'Veon Bell, and then you also look at Rob Gronkowski as he returned from his one-game suspension for New England. He had nine catches for a buck sixty-eight, and that made life a little bit better for Brandon Cooks, who had four grabs for sixty yards and a TD. Juju Smith-Schuster had six receptions for a buck fourteen, while Martavis Bryant had four catches for fifty-nine yards and a TD. You look at this game, and I called it. Leading up to this week, I called the Super Bowl 51 and a half because of the fact that both of these teams have what it takes to win the Super Bowl, at least coming into this game. And for New England, they have not looked sharp on offense in the last three weeks. You go back to the Buffalo game, which they were able to win. You go back to the Miami game, which they lost. And, of course, Gronk wasn't there, so that really changes things. And then you look at today's contest – it, ha- it wasn't pretty offensively, and I think the Patriots will tell you that. But the thing was, like I said, Tom Brady was Tom Brady when it mattered the most. You go back to New England's first drive of the game. They march right down the field and get a touchdown, and that's a tone setter because your first possession, you march right down the field on the road, and you take the crowd out of the game. So that really changes things right there. And, you know, Tom Brady is one of those guys, as most of the elite quarterbacks, if not all of them are, you know, you don't give them second chances and you don't give them an opportunity to win the game late. And as bad as the Patriots' defense looked for parts of the game, they knew if they could step up and make the big plays and make the key stops late and give number 12 an opportunity to go down there and win the game for his team, he was not going to let them down. And Tom Brady did that. He he made some, you know, like I said, he almost threw that interception on that drive, on that game-winning drive, but then he made some big connections with Rob Gronkowski, and, of course, the rest is history. Now, for Pittsburgh, this was tough because you look at the Steelers, they were rolling. They won eight consecutive games. You had New England coming to your place. And if you're Pittsburgh and you have a great argument on this, you go back to last year's AFC championship game. That game changed once Le'Veon Bell left with the injury. Now you're saying at least offensively we're healthy right now. We have a shot to go out there and take care of what we need to take care of. And then Antonio Brown goes down. That changes things. Luckily for Pittsburgh, Martavis Bryant and Juju Smith-Schuster were able to step up somewhat in the absence of A.B. But at the same time, A.B.'s presence on the field changes a lot of things for Pittsburgh's offense. You have you still have Le'Veon Bell. You have Smith-Schuster. You have Bryant. But Antonio Brown is one of a kind. And, you know, they were able, almost able to, uh, to overcome that loss. Now, on that final drive, you know, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin after the game said, you know what, it's all about us being aggressive. And I totally get that. And, I mean, the play call was something that, you know what, 
if you win, people are going to love you. If you lose, people are going to second guess it. And honestly, I saw the fake spike coming a mile away as I'm watching the game. So if I'm seeing the fake spike coming from home, the Patriots were definitely ready for it. They were not phased by it. And, you know, they, they had the perfect coverage for it. And, of course, tip passes in the end zone typically lead to bad things if you're the offense. And that was the case for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I know that people are going to cry about that rule. And, honestly, the officials got it right. If Jesse James was a runner, that would have been a touchdown. But since Jesse James was a receiver, unfortunately he has to maintain possession all the way through until he reaches the ground. So people are going to talk about it. This rule will probably be looked at again. You know, honestly, watching NFL football right now is still very difficult to determine what a catch is. But, you know, that's the way it is. I will say this. There's a good possibility because, I mean, you look at Antonio Brown. He's out now with the partially torn calf. He's going to be out for the remainder of the postseason, for the regular season, but he is expected to be back for the postseason. And if you are Pittsburgh, you want to try to take care of your business over the next few weeks so that you at least have a first-round buy. It's still a good shot for Pittsburgh to get home field advantage. You know, I mean, New England could lose and Pittsburgh could win out. You never know. But the thing is, at least to get that first-round bye if you're the Steelers because you want to have the ability to, you know, give him an extra week to get healthy. I mean, you're not going to have Ryan Shazier on defense. And, I mean, granted, Pittsburgh did play a little bit more inspired today on the defensive side of the ball. But I still say through it all, Pittsburgh and New England are the class of the AFC. And I think this was the first part of their showdown this season because I do see both of these squads facing each other uh, next month in the AFC championship game. Now, you look ahead to week number 16 for both of these clubs. And for New England, they will be at home next Sunday afternoon to take on the Buffalo Bills. While for Pittsburgh, they will find themselves on Christmas Day traveling to take on the Houston Texans. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, you had the 7-6 and six Green Bay Packers attempting to hang around in the playoff picture as they traveled to take on the 9-4 and four Carolina Panthers. And this contest also was highlighted by the return of Packers starting quarterback Aaron Rodgers as, he had been, as he's been out of action since week six with that collarbone injury. And there were a lot of people that felt that the return of Aaron Rodgers alone could spark Green Bay to a playoff run, but they would definitely have their hands full as they traveled to take on the Panthers. And the Panthers did not sway from, you know, protecting their home field as early on in this contest in the first quarter. They put together a 15-play, 85-yard drive that ate up nearly or more than seven and a half minutes worth of game clock, and it was capped off when quarterback Cam Newton connected on a seven-yard touchdown pass with rookie running back Christian McCaffrey to give Carolina the early 7 to nothing advantage. However, Green Bay would immediately respond by putting together an 11-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off when Rodgers found wide receiver Devontae Adams on a 13-yard touchdown pass to not the score at 7 apiece. Now, it was 10-7 to late in the first quarter in favor of Carolina when Green Bay took the lead in this contest when Rodgers found Randall Cobb 
on a 33-yard touchdown pass to make it 14-10. to Now, in the third quarter, Carolina was able to regain the lead as they took the opening kickoff of the second half, and they marched down the field on a seven-play, seven 73-yard drive, which was capped off when Newton connected with tight end Greg Olson on a 30-yard touchdown pass to make it 17-14. to Now, after an Aaron Rodgers interception, Carolina got the football back in Green Bay territory, and they were able to take advantage of it as Newton connected with wide receiver Demir Bird in the back of the end zone on a 9-yard touchdown pass as Carolina was able to extend their lead to 24-14. to Now, it was 24-17 to heading to the fourth quarter in favor of Carolina, when they were able to extend their lead once again when Newton connected with Bird again, this time from 13 yards out to make it 31-17. to Now, you knew that Rodgers and the pack would have a rally in them, and they did not let you down. As of just under three minutes left in this contest, Rodgers connected with tight end Richard Rodgers from 24 yards out to make it 31-24. to Now, Green Bay would go for the onside kick, and it was a successful one as they recovered and the Packers appear to be in business. However, on the first play of their next offensive possession, Rodgers connected with wide receiver Geronimo Allison, who fumbled, and it was recovered by the Carolina defense, and thus the Panthers were able to run out the clock this afternoon as they went on to win at home by the score of 31-24. to And you look inside of the numbers, and the return of Aaron Rodgers, he was 26-45 of passing for 290 yards, with three TDs and three costly interceptions. He was also sacked three times by this Panthers defense. His counterpart and Cam Newton was 20 of 31 passing for 242 yards with four TDs and no interceptions. The Carolina Panthers do what they do best as they ran the football today as they had 151 yards on the ground with 63 of those coming from Christian McCaffrey. And of course, Cam Newton loves to have his BFF back in tight end Greg Olson, as Olson had a big afternoon with nine receptions for a buck 16 and a TD. Randall Cobb was right in sync with Aaron Rodgers this afternoon as he had seven grabs for uh, 74, 84 yards, rather, and a touchdown, but it simply was not enough as the Packers fell short. And a side note for this game, as Thomas Davis, the Panthers' all-pro outside linebacker, more than likely will be suspended for the next contest as he took a – like he delivered a, a hit to the head on Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams on a peelback block on an interception return. And, of course, Adams unfortunately had to leave this contest with a concussion. And, you know, Thomas Davis, he felt bad about it. You could see him expressing remorse amongst himself on the sideline after it because, honestly, there was a play that should not have been made on his part because now – we don't know how long the Devontae Adams is going to be out of action, but I mean that's a tough way uh, to do things. And of course, the NFL is definitely trying to, you know, clean things up in that aspect. So you know, you simply can't go out there and you know put yourself or your team in that situation. Now, you look at this contest. At, at times, Aaron Rodgers did look rusty, but. You know, it's still you, – you saw flashes of vintage Aaron Rodgers scrambling around in the pocket, you know, buying time, frustrating the opposing defense as only he could do. And it really, really showed that, you know what, if he can get his legs uh, and his arm, you know, and sink, you know, he could still do some damage. But with this loss, it's going to be very tough right now for the Green Bay Packers because, 
if the Atlanta Falcons win tomorrow night, Green Bay is eliminated from playoff contention. So, I mean, it's a situation that if that's the case, if I'm Green Bay, I don't even play Aaron Rodgers for the next two weeks. Just let him take the time to get healthier and get ready for 2018. Now, for Carolina, they've taken care of their business in the last two weeks. They had that tough road loss a few weeks ago to the Saints. You come back last week and you beat the Minnesota Vikings. You come back today and you beat the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, the Packers wanted to go out there and make a statement once Rodgers returned to the lineup. And Carolina was able to shut them down in the key moments. And because of that, they got a victory, and they are looking good as far as making the postseason this year. Now you look ahead to week number 16 for both of these clubs. Carolina will be at home for the third consecutive week, this time to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While for Green Bay, they will be at home this Saturday night to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Now there was a big showdown this afternoon in the NFC West as you had the 9-4 and four Los Angeles Rams traveling to take on the 8-5 and five Seattle Seahawks. And, of course, for the Rams, it was in the back of their mind that they had to find a way to beat the Seahawks, who went to the Coliseum earlier this season and defeated the Rams. Now, it was 6 to nothing uh, midway through the first quarter when, in favor of the Rams, when Todd Gurley scored the game's first touchdown on a one-yard touchdown run. This was after a big punt return from Farrell Cooper to give – L.A. the 13 to nothing advantage. The Rams would continue to pour it on midway through the second quarter as Gurley scored on his second touchdown run of the game to make it 20 to nothing. And honestly, this game was over before the half because right after that, Jared Goff would connect with Robert Woods on a one-yard touchdown pass. And just before the half ended, Gurley scored on his third run of the first half to make it 34 to nothing as the Rams went to Seattle and flat out dominated the Seahawks today by the score of 42-7. to You look inside of the numbers, Jared Goff did not need to have a big game because the Rams special teams came up, as did their running game. Goff was 14 of 21 passing today for a buck 20 with two TDs and one pick. His counterpart, Russell Wilson, had a long afternoon as he was 14 of 30 passing for a buck 42 with a TD and no interceptions, but he was sacked seven times by this ferocious Rams pass rush. 244 yards on the ground today for L.A., with 152 of those coming on the legs of Todd Gurley, who had three touchdowns on 21 carries. So for all of you fantasy folks out there that have Todd Gurley here in the playoff season in fantasy football, I guarantee you that you were definitely happy today. Now, I talked about this Rams pass rush. Seven sacks of Russell Wilson with three of those coming from Aaron Donald. And you look inside of this game, and if you are the Seahawks, this is your third home loss this season. That's number one. Number two, it isn't that often that you see the Seahawks get punched in the mouth and bullied like they did today. And, yes, I know that the Seahawks are dealing with some injuries, but they flat out got bullied today in a game that they knew that they needed. So I don't know where you go from here if you're Seattle. I mean, this is definitely – I think this is a little bit more than gut check time for this club. But the bottom line is 
you everything was on the line for you coming into this contest, and you simply could not find a way to take care of your business or at least compete. That is the biggest problem with the Seahawks today. They simply did not compete. The Rams went out there, and they set the tone from the opening kickoff, and they never looked back. And because of that, this team is definitely going to have a good shot to win the NFC West this season. And for the Rams, you look at it, they had that tough home loss against Philly last Sunday, and they showed me something this afternoon because they responded in a big way. They came back strong, and now they are staring at the NFC West title. And they look ahead to week number 16 for both of these clubs. The Rams will be in Nashville next Sunday afternoon to take on the Tennessee Titans, while for the Seahawks, they will find themselves on the road next Sunday afternoon to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, you had the 11-2 Philadelphia Eagles traveling to MetLife Stadium today to take on the 2-11 and New York football giants. And for the Eagles, life without Carson Wentz has begun as Nick Foles was set to be on the center for the Eagles today as their starting quarterback. But it was the Giants who got the scoring going as they took the opening kickoff and marched down the field on a 13-play, 75-yard drive that ate up nearly six minutes worth of game clock. And it was capped off when running back Orleans Darkwell punched it in from a yard out to make it 6 to nothing, as the extra point was blocked. And that was a harbinger of things to come today for the Giants. Now on the, the Eagles' ensuing possession, they were able to scamper down the field on a seven-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off when Foles found wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey on a three-yard touchdown pass to give Philly the 7-6 to six advantage. However, the Giants were game this afternoon, and they would respond with a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, which is capped off when quarterback Eli Manning connected with Tavares King from 13 yards out to make it 13-7. to seven. Early in the second quarter, the Giants would extend their lead when Manning connected with uh, Sterling Shepard on a 67-yard touchdown pass to make it 20-7. to However, the game would change later in the contest. First, it was an interception by Eli Manning that led to the Eagles' next touchdown when Foles connected with Zach Ertz from 10 yards out. Then it was a block punt by the Eagles that set up their next touchdown pass, which led to Foles connecting with backup tight end Trey Burton from 13 yards out. It was 23-21 to at the half in favor of the Giants, and the Eagles found themselves up by one midway through the third quarter, and they extended their lead when Foles found wide receiver Nelson Aguilar from 10 yards out to make it 31-23. to Now, the Giants would come back in this contest as they put together an eight-play, 80-yard drive uh, that ate up nearly four minutes' worth of game clock, and it you know, it was capped off when Eli Manning connected with Tavares King on a 57-yard touchdown pass to make it 31-29. to The Giants would go for the two-point conversion, and they were unsuccessful, and they had to settle for being down by two. Now, it was 34-29 to late in this contest when Eli Manning rallied the Giants, and he brought them in uh, to scoring position to try to win the contest, and he got them down to the five-yard line, a false start called on Bobby Hart to right tackle. 
it was fourth and goal from the Giants from the uh, from just uh, at the ten yard line, and Eli Manning threw the ball up for Evan Ingram, but the Giants wanted pass interference. It was a right call by the by the referees rather to make a no call for it in the back of the end zone, and Philly was able to escape this afternoon by the score of thirty four to twenty nine. And you look inside of the numbers of this contest, Nick Foles was 24 of 38 passing today for 237 yards with four TDs and no picks. Eli Manning did have a big game for the Giants. He was 37 of 57 passing for 434 yards with three TDs and one costly interception. And you look inside of the receivers for his uh, for his squad today, Sterling Shepard had one of the best games of his young career as he had 11 grabs for 139 yards with one touchdown. You also look at tight end Evan Ingram, the rookie out of Ole Miss, who had eight catches for 87 yards. Roger Lewis had four catches for 74 yards, but it was all for naught as the Giants fell just short this afternoon of upsetting the Philadelphia Eagles. And you look at Philly, it wasn't pretty, but you know what? It was effective because they were expected to roll the Giants in this contest and divisional games are tough. I mean, there are a lot of Philly fans that made it up from South Jersey or the city of Philadelphia as well, you know, to support their team because at times it sounded like Lincoln Financial Field at MetLife Stadium today. But you look at it, Philly found a way. And, I mean, Nick Foles, he was sharp out there. Four TDs, no picks. You can't take that away from him. But you look at the fact that this Eagles defense gave up more than 500 yards to a Giants offense that has been anemic at best at times this season. And honestly, that is scary. So that is definitely something that the Eagles are going to have to clean up. They're 12-2. and two. They, have, they have clinched the first round by in the postseason, and now the next step for them is to potentially get home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. And Nick Foles is going to be their guy. I said it last week that this team trusts Nick Foles, and I think Nick Foles can get it done. He has a familiarity with Doug Peterson. He has a familiarity with this city, and this team is going to rally around Nick Foles, and we saw that today as the Eagles were able to get the victory. Now, for the Giants, even in defeat, I will give them credit that they showed a lot of fight that a lot of people, myself included, did not think that they had. And a lot of people who want to say that Eli Manning is done he showed today that he could still get it done. It's just a matter of him having talent around him. And right now, if you look at this Giants organization, everybody's auditioning for a job. Interim head coach, Steve Spagnolo, Offensive coordinator, Mike Sullivan. Eli Manning. You look at, you know, the injuries, of course, that the Giants are dealing with. But these guys went out there and they showed some grit. But you know what? Credit to the Eagles special teams for stepping up because they blocked an extra point. They blocked the field goal. They blocked the punt. That was the difference in this contest today. And if you're the Giants, you know, when, you're, when, when, you're, when you've only won two games all season long, you've got to try to take care of those things. They weren't able to, so I guarantee you it's going to be a long week for the Giants with their special teams meetings. Now you look ahead to week number 16 for both of these clubs. And for Philly, they will be at home on Monday Night Football to host the Oakland Raiders, while the Giants will be on the road next Sunday afternoon to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Now in the AFC South, you had the 4-9 and 
Houston Texans traveling to Jacksonville to take on the 9-4 and four Jaguars. And late in the first quarter, Jacksonville scored the first touchdown of the game when it was a one-yard run from Tommy Bahannon to make it 7 to nothing, And this capped off a 13-play, 78-yard drive that ate up nearly seven minutes worth of game clock. Early in the second quarter, Jacksonville would extend their lead when Blake Bortles connected with wide receiver Jaden Mickens from five yards out to make it 21 to nothing. Later on in the second, it was Bortles connecting with Mickens again, this time from 14 yards out to put Jacksonville up by the score of 21 to nothing. And just before the first half ended, Jacksonville was able to put this game away when Bortles connected with wide receiver Keelan Cole on a nine-yard touchdown pass to make it 31 to nothing. And Jacksonville will go on to cruise today to the 45 to seven victory. And Blake Bortles had one of the best games of his NFL career. He was 21 of 29 passing for 326 yards with three TDs and no interceptions. And that is the biggie. Kalen Cole had a big afternoon seven grabs for a buck 86 with a TD and you look at this Jags defense they teed off on Houston quarterback TJ Yates four sacks for two of those coming from Calais Campbell as Jacksonville not only cruised to the 45 to 7 victory but they also secured their first postseason berth since 2007 and you look at the turnaround that's going on with this team Tom Coughlin in the front office you look at Doug Marone as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You look at some of the players that they brought in over the past few years. You bring in a Super Bowl champion and Malik Jackson on that defensive line. You also bring in Calais Campbell on that defensive line as well. Miles Jack and Dante Fowler Jr. are finally healthy. You draft Leonard Fournette this year. You have Cam Robinson on that left tackle position. These guys are winners, and now you have a team around Blake Bortles, and Blake Bortles looks like a different guy out there because he's simply not trying to go out there and win the contest by himself, and that is a big thing. And, you know, you see, you know, the confidence in him growing, which is a good thing, and because for them to get there, they're going to the postseason, and for them to be in the postseason, you know, and do some damage – Blake Bortles is going to have to make some plays. He's not. I'm not saying he needs to go out there and win the game by himself, but he's definitely going to have to go out there and make some plays. So that is big for them uh, to get some confidence off of that. They took advantage of a depleted Houston Texans team this afternoon. Of course, the regular season cannot end quick enough for the Texans as they look to regroup and come back stronger in 2018. But it's all about the culture change in Jacksonville because now – not only do they expect to go out there and win, but they go out they go out there and expect to win, and they expect to embarrass their opponent, and that is what they simply have been doing over the past few weeks, and they did it again today in a big way with against the Houston Texans to run their record to ten and four. Now you look ahead to week number sixteen for both of these clubs. Jacksonville will make the trek to take on the San Francisco Forty ers while for Houston, they will find themselves in week number 16. Let us see where the Texans are on the schedule. On Christmas Day, they will be at home to take on Berg Steelers. Now, the team that is trying to hang with the Jacksonville Jaguars 
for first place in the AFC South as the Tennessee Titans. And after they lost on the road last week to drop them to 8-5, and five, they were back on the road to take on another NFC West opponent. After falling to the Arizona Cardinals last Sunday, they were taking on the San Francisco 49ers today in Santa Clara. It was 6-3 to three in favor of San Francisco midway through the second quarter. When the 49ers scored the game's first offensive touchdown, when quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo connected with Garrett Selleck on a five-yard touchdown pass, and this capped off a 17-play, 85-yard drive that ate up more than eight and a half minutes worth of game clock to give San Francisco the 13-3 advantage. Now, it was 16-3 late in the first half, and it looked like the Titans were in trouble when Marcus Mariota led a quick six-play, 79-yard touchdown drive that ate up just more than a minute worth of game clock, and it was capped off when he connected with tight end Delaney Walker from four yards out to make it 16-10. to Now, it was 16-3, to 13, rather, in favor of San Francisco going to the fourth quarter, and early on in the fourth, Mariota connected with wide receiver Richard Matthews from eight yards out, to give the Titans their first lead of the contest at 20 to 16. Now it was 20 uh, to 19 late in this contest in favor of Tennessee when Robbie Gold connected on his fourth field goal of the game, pardon me, fifth field goal of the game, this time for 48 yards out to give San Francisco the 22 to 20 lead. Now, Mariota would drive the Titans down to put them in scoring range, and with just over a minute left, Ryan Suckup connected on a 50-yard field goal to give the Titans the 23-22 lead. However, the Titans' defense could not shut the door once again in the fourth quarter, and as time expired, Robbie Gold connected on a 45-yard field goal to give San Francisco the 25-23 victory. You look inside of the numbers of this contest, and for Marcus Mariota, he was 23 of of 33 passing for 241 yards with two TDs and no interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo had a big afternoon. as He was 31 of 43 passing for 381 yards with one TD and no interceptions while he was sacked three times. Marquise Goodwin, the former Buffalo Bills wide receiver, stepped up in a big way for the 49ers as he had 10 receptions for 114 yards. And I'll tell you like this. Jimmy Garoppolo, week in and week out, is making a believer out of me. Because three starts at quarterback for San Francisco, three wins. And you had a team that was looking like they were going to have the first overall pick in the draft to the fact that the Niners are falling in the draft status a little bit. And not only that, they look like they could be a team to be reckoned with next season. They have their franchise quarterback. I like what general manager John Lynch has done in his first year. He used his first pick on defensive lineman Solomon Thomas. And Solomon Thomas gets after people. You also bring in Reuben Foster at linebacker. Uh, I, I could see the 49ers going after a safety early in the John Lynch mode, really trying to set things up kind of like how it was for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 1990s. Or at the same time, you know, it's simply about putting more talent around Jimmy G. 
but it looks like the 49ers have their quarterback of the future, and that's good for them because now they have an opportunity to build upon things going forward. Now, for the Tennessee Titans, this is the second week in a row. This is a game you need to win. No excuses, no ifs, ands, or buts. you got to go out there and take care of your business. Yes, I know it's on the road, but the bottom line is you know what is at stake, and you simply cannot get it done. And I watched this game, and I've watched the games throughout the season for Marcus Mariota. He is still a quarterback that cannot consistently get it done from the pocket. Number one, the Titans don't have the explosive playmakers of wide receiver. That, I mean, that's number one. They, they used a the first-round pick on uh, Corey Matthews, a kid out of uh, Western Michigan, and, you know, he really has been unable to contribute this year due to an injury. But the bottom line is the Titans don't have that explosion. You take away their running game on offense, the Titans cannot beat you. It's that simple. And once you take away the Titans running game, you also take away the fact, we factor in rather, that Marcus Mariota is not a guy who can consistently get it done from the pocket. Titans aren't going to make the playoffs at this point. They were 8-4 and four a few weeks ago and looking pretty. Uh, but right now, they have a fight on their hands if they are going to contend for a postseason spot this season in the AFC. Now you look ahead to next weekend, and for the Titans, they will be at home on Sunday to take on the Los Angeles Rams, while for the 49ers, they will find themselves at home once again, this time to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 0309. I repeat, 626 231 0309. Now, down on the bayou, you had the 9 and 4 New Orleans Saints hosting the 5 and 8 New York Jets. And for the Saints, they came into this contest favored heavy, and they were expected to run rough shot over the Jets, and it looked like it was going to be that way in the first quarters. Late, late in the first quarter, the Saints took a 10 nothing lead after a one-yard run from running back Mark Ingram II. However, in the second quarter, the Jets would come back and make a game of this as Bilal Powell scored on a two-yard run to make it 10-7, to and this capped off a 12-play 75-yard drive for Gang Green that ate up more than seven minutes' worth of game clock. New Orleans would regain their 10-point lead on their ensuing drive when quarterback Drew Brees found rookie running back Alvin Kamara on a 10-yard touchdown pass to make it 17-7. to It was 17-13 to midway through the fourth quarter in favor of New Orleans when Brees connected with wide receiver Michael Thomas on a four-yard touchdown pass to make it 24-13. to What the pesky Jets simply would not go away as with just under two minutes left, uh, Bryce Petty connected with Elijah McGuire on a two-yard touchdown pass to make it 24-19 to as the Jets were unsuccessful on their two-point conversion. The Jets did go for the onside kick, and they were unsuccessful, and the Saints scored again as Mark Ingram ran it in on a 50-yard touchdown run to give them the 31-19 to advantage, and New Orleans would go on to win this afternoon by that score. The Saints were able to rack up more than 400 yards 
of total offense this afternoon against the Jets, which included Drew Brees going 26 of 36 passing for 285 yards to two TDs and a pick. Bryce Petty was 19 of 39 passing for a buck 79 with a touchdown and two interceptions, while Michael Thomas had nine receptions for 93 yards for the home team. When I look at it like this, I'll give the, the Jets credit for fighting and hanging in there. And they showed some resolve after, you know, that, that beatdown on the road in Denver last week against the Broncos. But the bottom line is, you know, like fighting and scrapping alone isn't going to get it done in the National Football League consistently. The Jets simply don't have the talent there on offense to get it done. And I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't know what the Jets' plan is under general manager Mike McCagnan. And I'll look at it like this. Uh you look at this game, Bryce Petty was okay. And I'll, uh, and I, I, I'll lean out with that okay. But, I mean, the Jets quarterback of the future still is not on this roster. Uh, for the Saints, you look at this team, they're 10-4 right now. They're looking like a playoff team. And the way that they run the football and if their defense can be consistent, they are definitely going to be a tough team, especially at the Superdome. Now, you look ahead to week number 16 for both of these teams. And for the Jets, they will be at home to take on the Los Angeles Chargers, while the Saints will be at home to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, moving right along, you had the 5-8 and eight Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Minneapolis to take on the 10-3 and three Minnesota Vikings. And it did not take the Vikings that long to put this contest away as they took the opening kickoff and marched right down the field on a nine-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off by a one-yard run from Latavius Murray. Later on in the first quarter, Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton was intercepted by Vikings linebacker Eric Kendricks, who returned 31 yards to the house to make it 14 to nothing. It was 17 to nothing midway through the second quarter when the Vikings put this game away when Keenum connected with wide receiver Stephon Diggs on a 20-yard touchdown pass to make it 24 to nothing, and that was all that the Vikings needed today as they cruised at home by the score of 34 to seven. And you look inside of the numbers; it wasn't pretty for Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton, which is why he found himself benched late in this contest for one A.J. McCarron. Dalton was 11 of 22 passing today for a buck 13 with no touchdowns and two interceptions while he was sacked three times by this tough Vikings defense. Case Keenum for the Vikings was 20 of 23 passing for 236 yards with two TDs and no interceptions while he was sacked twice. And due to the fact that the game had gotten out of hand, Teddy Bridgewater was able to get a few reps for the Vikings at quarterback. Of course, he's been out of action since he had that horrific knee injury and training camp last year, a lot of people thought his career would be over, but he had it. He worked hard, and he had an opportunity to get back on the field. He was 0 of 2 passing today with an interception coming on his first pass attempt, but it was just good to see him out there. Jarris McKinnon had seven grabs today for a buck 14 for the Vikings as they were able to get back on track after they lost last week on the road against the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, just to keep with that theme, it was all about bouncing back uh, today for the Minnesota Vikings. They look good. They look sharp. You know, they put last week's tough loss behind them, and they got back to work today 
And they went out there and beat a team that they were supposed to beat, and they put them out of their misery early. And that is exactly what good teams do. And for the Bengals, of course, the rumors are swirling that this could be it for Marvin Lewis as their head coach. And it looks like if Marvin Lewis packed it up as far as being a head coach of the Bengals, his team did too because Cincinnati simply showed no effort today whatsoever. And ever since they blew that 17-point lead a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Bengals have looked like a lifeless team. They laid down last week at home versus the Chicago Bears. They did not even show up this afternoon versus the Minnesota Vikings. And I'll tell you like this, if you're Cincinnati, if that was the effort that you were going to give, you should have just stayed in southern Ohio. It did not make any sense to waste a plane ride to go to Minneapolis if that is exactly what you were going to do because what they did today was flat-out pathetic. Now, you look ahead to week number 16 for both of these teams, and I'm going to start here with – the Bengals, who will be at home next Sunday afternoon to take on the Detroit Lions, while the Vikings will be on the road this Saturday night to take on the Green Bay Packers. Now, moving right along, you had the 7-6 and six Baltimore Ravens traveling to Cleveland to take on the 0-13 Browns. It was 3 to nothing in favor of Baltimore midway through the second quarter, when the, the Browns drove the length of the field or nearly the length of the field on a five-play, 96-yard drive, which is capped off by a 12-yard run from Duke Johnson to give them the 7-3 to advantage. Baltimore would immediately respond by putting together an 11-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Joe Flacco scored on a two-yard touchdown run to make it 10-7. to just before the half ended, Baltimore was able to extend their lead when Flacco connected with tight end Benjamin Watson from 33 yards out to make it 17-7. to Now, it was 17-10 to at the half in favor of Baltimore, but they would extend their lead in the third quarter when Brandon Williams returned a one-yard fumble to make it 24-10. Uh, to Baltimore would tack on a Justin Tucker field goal from that point, and they would go on the cruise this afternoon to the 27-10 to victory. And you look inside of the numbers, as Joe Flacco was 26 of 42 passing for 288 yards with one TD and no interceptions. Rookie quarterback Deshaun Kaiser was 20 of 30 passing today for a buck 46 with two costly interceptions as, once again, the Cleveland Browns did not win, and they, they, they finished their home schedule still seeking their first win of the season. And I look at it like this for the Browns. In order for them to avoid going 0-16, they've got to find a way to win on the road. They have not won a road game since week five of the 2015 season. That's what we're dealing with right now. It's... I mean, what can you say about this team? I mean, the Browns are not only the worst team in the National Football League right now, they might be the worst organization in sports, period. And it's a situation where, you know, they they have a new GM in John Dorsey. He, He has a tough job ahead of him, you know, in regards to, you know, changing the culture around this team, and that's what they need. It's a culture change. So he's got to start from the bottom. He's got to reevaluate everything. But I don't know 
I can't say I don't know how you get it fixed, but the bottom line is you have to bring guys in there that want to compete and want to win. And I, I, I got to say John Dorsey's biggest task uh, heading into the offseason is bringing in quality veterans that can help change that culture in that Cleveland locker room. Now, you look at Baltimore. You know, you have not paid attention to the Ravens all season long, but they are 8-6. and six. And it'd be one of those things, if, there, if this was college football, you know, and there were teams who were competing for the playoff spot, the Ravens wouldn't be there because nobody's paid attention to them because they really don't have quality wins. But guess what? Quality wins don't matter in the National Football League. It's all about getting your hand raised. And Baltimore, they've flown under the radar all season long. And now they find themselves uh, with just two weeks left in the regular season in prime position to make the postseason, and that's without not having a good offense. They've relied on their defense and special teams, but they still have a Super Bowl-winning quarterback under center in Joe Flacco, and they also have a Super Bowl-winning head coach in Joe and John Harbaugh, excuse me, and because of that, I am not counting this team out. Now, for Baltimore, they will be at home this Saturday afternoon to take on the Indianapolis Colts, while for Cleveland, They'll have to go to the Windy City next Sunday afternoon to take on the Chicago Bears in search of their first victory of the season. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, in western New York this afternoon, it was a 7-6 Buffalo Bills hosting the 6-7 and seven Miami Dolphins as Miami was looking to keep the momentum going after they upset the New England Patriots at home this past Monday night. However, it was Buffalo who took the opening kickoff and marched down the field on a 10-play, 81-yard drive, which was capped off by a four-yard run from LaShawn Shady McCoy to give them the early 7 to nothing lead. It was 7-6 to six midway through the second quarter in favor of Buffalo when they extended their lead when quarterback Tyrod Taylor connected with McCoy, this time on a 16-yard touchdown pass to give the Bills the 14-6 to lead. Buffalo extended that lead just before the half ended as Tyrod Taylor scored on a 9-yard touchdown run to make it 21-6. to Now, it was 24-6 to in favor of Buffalo midway through the fourth quarter when Miami scored their first and only touchdown of the game as it was a one-yard run from running back Kenyon Drake, but it was simply too little, too late, as Buffalo did just enough to get the 24-16 victory today at home. If you look inside of the uh, numbers in this contest, Jay Cutler was 28-49 passing for 274 yards with no TDs, with three sacks and three interceptions for Miami. His counterpart, Tyrod Taylor was 17 of 29 passing for 224 yards with the TD and no interceptions. LaShawn McCoy only had 50 yards on the ground, but it was big because he reached the 10,000-yard mark in rushing, and there have not been too many people that have played in the NFL that can say that. And for Buffalo, it was a big victory as they found themselves hanging around in the playoff picture. And I'll give Buffalo credit because they took advantage of their two home games or two of their three home games over the past three weeks. Of course, they lost that tough one uh, to New England uh, uh, back in week 13. 
They beat the Colts in the snow last Sunday. And then, of course, you know, they went out there and took care of their business today versus Miami. And for the Dolphins, the season simply cannot end quick enough. I mean, the Dolphins, you know, I'll typically say you look at a team's record and and their play is better than their record. The Dolphins' record in this case is actually better than their play. They are simply not a good team. Uh, they're another one of those franchises. I really don't understand what direction that they're going in. Yes, I understand. They don't have their starting quarterback right now, Ryan Tannehill, as he was lost in training camp uh, with that knee injury. But right now, I simply don't know where this team is going, and it shows up consistently on Sunday afternoon with the play of Miami. Now, you look ahead to week number 16 for both of these clubs. Miami will be on the road to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, while Buffalo will be at home on the road as well, rather, to take on the New England Patriots. And finally, in the nation's capital, it was a uh, five and eight, pardon me, six and seven Arizona Cardinals traveling to take on the five and eight Washington Redskins. And Washington would get the scoring going early in the first quarter when quarterback Kurt Cousins connected with wide receiver Jamison Crowder on a five-yard touchdown pass to make it seven to nothing. It was seven to three early in the second quarter in favor of Washington when they extended their lead when Cousins connected with Capri Bibbs from 36 yards out to make it 14 to three. Now, the right leg of Phil Dawson kept the Cardinals in this contest as he connected on five field goals, and it was 20-15 to 15 late in this contest in favor of Washington. Arizona did have an opportunity to win late. However, the Washington defense stepped up and stymied them inside of their red zone as the Redskins were able to get the victory today by the score of team. And it was all about the defenses today as neither one of these teams reached 300 yards in total offense. Uh, but this this Washington defense really stepped up as they sacked Arizona Cardinals quarterback Blaine Gabbard five times this afternoon, and that was a key in this contest. They were bend but don't break because not only did they sack him, they also allowed the Cardinals to move the football between the 20s, but they stiffened up when they needed to, and they kept Arizona's offense out of the end zone, and that was big today for Washington as they went on to get the 22-15 victory. And you look ahead to week number 16 for both of these clubs. Arizona will be at home to take on the New York Giants, while Washington will be at home to take on the Denver Broncos. You look inside of the divisional races right now, and for New England, they have wrapped up another AFC East title. Pittsburgh themselves they've already wrapped up the AFC North now it's time for them to focus on at least getting themselves a first round bye Jacksonville is steamrolling to their first AFC South title in franchise history and it would be their first divisional title since 1999 which was their last trip to the AFC championship game Kansas City is sitting much prettier in the AFC West after their victory last night at home versus the Chargers as they have theoretically a two-game lead over the Chargers right now due to the fact that they swept the season series. Philly has already clinched the NFC East while Minnesota was able to clinch the NFC North today for the second time 
in the last three years. It's still up in the air for the NFC South as both New Orleans and Carolina are 10-4, and four, and things could get even tighter should Atlanta win tomorrow night versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to run their record to 9-5. and five. In the NFC West, the Rams took a step closer to winning that division for the first time since 2003 as they knocked off the Seahawks. As now they have a two-game lead over Seattle with two weeks to go. However, however, a victory next week for the Rams would solidify that division, uh, that divisional crown. Now, you look at the playoff picture for both conferences, and starting in the AFC, New England and Pittsburgh are tied for the top spot at 11-3. However, of course, New England gets the tiebreaker due to the fact that they beat Pittsburgh this afternoon. Jacksonville is sitting right there at 10-4, and and don't let Jacksonville finish tied uh, with – uh, Pittsburgh, because then Jacksonville gets that tiebreaker due to their victory in Pittsburgh earlier this season when they forced five interceptions from Big Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Kansas City was able to get back on track last night, and they are the four seed currently. But you look at the wild card picture in the AFC, and it is definitely wild. Tennessee and Buffalo right now would get denied to get into the postseason. Both of them are 8-6. and six. However, the Ravens are 8-6 and six as well. You have the Chargers, who are 7-7. Seven and seven. And then a big one right now tonight. I mean, the Raiders, they currently find themselves trailing 10 to nothing against the Dallas Cowboys. But they need this game to move to 7-7 seven and seven and get tied with the Chargers as they are definitely looking to hang around in the postseason picture. Now, you move the scene over to the NFC side. A victory next week by Philly could give them home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. You look at Minnesota right there as a two seed right now with a record of 11-3. The Rams and Saints are both 10-4. and four. However, the Rams currently have the tiebreaker over the Saints due to the fact that they defeated the Saints at the Coliseum earlier this season. You look at the wild card picture, Carolina, they, they're definitely going to go to the playoffs. They're 10-4, and four and they are looking good heading into the final two weeks of the season. And like I said before, it's a big one tomorrow night because if Atlanta wins that game, you know, they're sitting pretty because first and foremost, they get the tiebreakers over both Detroit and Seattle, who are both 8-6. and six. Atlanta went on the road and beat both of those clubs this season. Now, here is where things get very interesting, because if Dallas wins tonight, they're 8-6 and six as well. They're getting Ezekiel Elliott back next week, and a lot of people feel that if, if they can get Zeke back, the Cowboys can do some big things. Now, for Green Bay, they're 7-7, seven and seven, as that was a very tough loss this afternoon. And if Atlanta takes care of their business tomorrow night versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Packers will be eliminated from postseason competition. Now, you look ahead to week number 16, and we're going to have two games on Saturday once again. First, you're going to have the Indianapolis Colts traveling to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore is already a 13-point favorite in this contest, as their defense will probably make life tough for young quarterback uh, Jacoby Brissett. The Minnesota Vikings will take on the Green Bay Packers, and I think a lot of this 
the outlook for this game is going to come down to whether or not the Falcons uh, win or lose tomorrow night. Because if the Falcons win, I don't see the Packers playing Aaron Rodgers in this game, which means that Minnesota will have a field day with Brett Hundley. Now, moving on to Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the Chicago Bears traveling, or pardon me, hosting the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, the Bears, they, they, they suffered a setback yesterday when they lost to the Detroit Lions. But I think it would be big for them to try to finish on a positive note at home and get their third victory at Soldier Field this year versus a Browns team that is definitely going to be game as they don't want to go 0-16. It's going to be the Lions traveling to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And if the Bengals continue to not show up, the Detroit Lions should be able to take advantage of that as they look to hang around in the playoff picture in the NFC. You're going to have the Rams taking on the Titans. And after it looked like a sure thing for the Titans to make the postseason, they're going to have to fight, scrap, and claw over these final two games. And it won't be easy or pretty going up against the Rams and their tough defense next Sunday afternoon. At Arrowhead, it will be the 8-6 and six Kansas City Chiefs hosting the 6-8 and eight Miami Dolphins. And after the Chiefs were able to get the big victory last night at home versus the Chargers, can they get some momentum going for themselves in order to get to the postseason and potentially win the AFC West? It's going to be the Buffalo Bills traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Now, New England comes into this contest favored as by 12.5 points. However, I would take the under on this game because the Patriots' offense has not looked crisp in the last three games. And on top of that, there will be some revenge on the minds of the Bills after the vicious hit that was delivered by tight end Rob Gronkowski to Bills cornerback Tredarius White a few weeks ago that put him on the sideline with a concussion. Now, a big one in the NFC South is you're going to have the Falcons traveling to take on the Saints, and it will be even bigger should the Falcons uh, get the victory tomorrow night against the Bucks. because remember, it was just a few weeks ago on Thursday Night Football that Atlanta beat New Orleans at home. You're going to have the Chargers traveling to take on the New York Jets. And for the Chargers, this is a must-win game, but this will be a very tough game because the Jets are a team, just like the Chargers, they are very difficult to figure out. It's going to be the Denver Broncos traveling to take on the Washington Redskins. And for both of these teams, you know, they're just playing out the string as guys are fighting for jobs for next season. You're going to have the Buccaneers traveling to take on the Panthers. And for the Panthers, you know, they want to remain focused. I know that there's a lot going on. You know, it was just announced this evening that Jerry Richardson would be selling uh, the team off of, uh, due to his, you know, recent, uh, you know, off-the-field issues. Of course, you know, sexual harassment and using racial slurs. So if you're the Panthers, you just don't want to have that come down on you as a distraction as you were looking to stay focused and make the playoffs. It's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to take on the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, from the outside looking in, you would think that Jacksonville should be able to take care of their business in this contest. However, San Francisco has won three games in a row, and they are a team right now. They are definitely playing better than their 4-10 record. It's going to be the Seattle Seahawks traveling to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And for the loser of this contest, they can all but forget about making the postseason here in 2017. So this is going to be a doozy. You're going to have the New York Giants traveling to take on the Arizona Cardinals. And 
for both of these teams, they've been hit with the injury bug pretty hard this season. But you want to go out there and at least attempt to finish 2017 on a positive note. Now, on Christmas Day, you're going to have the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to take on the Houston Texans. And, of course, we know that Pittsburgh will not have the services of Antonio Brown. And they've got to go out there and they've got to figure it out, especially on the defensive side of the ball where they have been lit up in the last few games without the services of linebacker Ryan Shazier. And finally, it's going to be the Oakland Raiders traveling to Philly to take on the Eagles. And if the Raiders lose this contest tonight, I really don't see them having much to play for next Sunday or next Monday night, rather, against the Eagles. So if the Raiders do go on to lose this game right now, they're losing at home to the Cowboys 10 to nothing. Uh, it'll be a situation where the Eagles could have a field day as they look to secure home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. So that's going to do it for tonight, folks. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. I'll be back on the air next weekend. It's just not certain as far as the date and time, of course, because everything that's wrapped around the Christmas holiday. But when I do get a date and time, I'll definitely let you know, and you can definitely uh, check it out. As always, you can continue to check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com, where I am the total sports package for the total fan. And today I put up a podcast about the struggles of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and you can be on the lookout for another podcast tomorrow as far as my first installment into the 2018 NFL Draft. Now, if you're on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the sports discussion group at the Sports Depot 365. It's one of the hottest things going on Facebook right now. You're more than welcome to become a member and chime in and be a part of the hottest sports discussion going on on the web. Now, if um, like aside from all of that stuff, I want to take this time out, as always, to give a shout-out to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And as always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. And like I always say, on a daily basis, it is a pleasure to see you grow and grow and grow. And like I always say, you're going to do some very good things in this world of ours. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care, happy holidays, and thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. 